I'd like to begin my homily with a little poem by Emily Dickinson that I have always enjoyed. And I've not committed many poems to memory, but this is one that I have committed to memory. It goes like, it, the poem's title is called, I Am Nobody. <clears throat> and it goes like this. I'm going to say it twice. It's very, very short. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Don't tell. There's a pair of us. They'd banish us, you know. How dreary to be someone. How public like the croaking of a frog. To tell your name the live long day to some admiring bog. Listen to it again. Who are you? Are you nobody? I'm nobody too. Ah, then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd banish us, you know. How dreary to be someone. How public like the croaking of a frog. To tell your name the live long day to some admiring bog. That poem has always been dear to me because one of the most um, one of the most wonderful gifts that I've ever received is a relative sense of my own worth. Now notice how I said it. A relative sense of my own worth. I could have said the gift of humility. Yeah, I can. You can say that. But here's the, the point. I've always, I've always thought that we take the word humility and we really do misinterpret it. Because it's almost as if we're thinking that you have to try to be humble. And, and the more you try to be humble, when you achieve it, you go, oh, I'm being humble. Then you're proud. <laughs> you know, you're proud that you're humble. And it seems to be kind of like a, a, a wheel, you know? <laughs> I'm going to try to be humble. Ooh, I finally achieved it. I'm proud to be humble. Reminds me of a, that country song now. Oh, Lord, I'm... Uh, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. You never heard that? I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be one heck of a man. Oh, Lord, I'm proud to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. There, you got your country western music um, fixed. But think about it. What does it really mean to be humble? And I think the, the way that I introduced it to you is really the, the best way that I've found to think about it. 
to find out the relative worth. Notice I'm using the word, the relative worth of yourself. Now, why do I say that? Because you see, humility doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, putting yourself down. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, it doesn't... It, it, it has a little bit to do with not puffing yourself up. But even not puffing yourself up can be dangerous because you could be puffed up about being puffed down. Anyway, it's like circle that I, that I told, that I told you about. I find that the, that humility is really best understood when you look at the etymology of the word humility. The word humble comes from the word humus. And humus means earth or dirt. Now, don't interpret it as what you're calling is yourself, you're calling yourself dirt. Think of it more like you're a person who is down to earth. Now, what is a person who's down to earth? It's a person who tries to, as soberly as possible, assess your relative worth. You can never ultimately assess it, because only God knows that. But to know that you're not the worst that there is, and probably you're not the best that there is. You're just a, a regular schmuck. And if you think of yourself as a regular schmuck, and, and just a kind of a, an, an idiot in God's sight, like St. Francis of Assisi used to call his brother, his, his body, brother ass. And, and you know, you, you kind of laugh at yourself. When you, when you experience temptations towards self-puffing up, the only thing you can do is laugh at yourself. Laugh at, at, at the, the silliness of you. You know, and I think that that's one of the great gifts that, that God has allowed me to enter into, is to laugh at myself um, all the time, to, to, to learn that, yeah, you do some good things, God has given you some gifts, yeah, you, but don't overrate it, you're down to earth. Now, Jesus is, is in this gospel, He's, he's telling you to practice something that is, is worthwhile practicing. And I have practiced it to some degree. And that is that if you're attracted to something, to do exactly the opposite. Like, for example, if you're attracted, if you think you need to be in a place in a seat of honor, because you feel like you need honor, you can either laugh at yourself because you're a jerk, or you can actively say, no, I'm going to do the exact opposite, and you take the lowest place. Okay, That's one way to deal with it. And in some ways, you know, in some ways, it's important to deal with it that way. In other ways, I've done that before, and I just find that it's easier to just stop caring about what I what I, what you think of me 
and and just take a seat wherever that it it doesn't matter. Now, I just said it doesn't matter. That leads me into the next little little part that always reminds me of humility. And that is a another poem by T.S. Eliot. And T.S. Eliot um, write, wrote a poem called The Hollow Men. And it ends, the very last part of the poem, ends with a little prayer towards God. And the little prayer says, Lord, teach me to care and not to care. Teach me to sit still. Lord, teach me to care and not to care. Teach me to sit still. Now, why does that, why is that so important? Because in life, it is as important, sometimes I even think a little more important, to learn how not to care about the right things. Like, for example, do you ever see Jesus? Do you ever see Jesus in the New Testament worried about the Pharisees and scribes not liking him? Do you ever see that? No. He doesn't seem to care. He, don't you care that they that they dislike you? No, he should he would have said, No, I really don't. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke the exact opposite. He said, beware when all people speak well of you because they did that also to the false prophets. So a caution sign is when you're too popular or when people, everybody likes you. You have to be able to choose what you care about. And in life today, it is so important to choose what you care about and to choose what you don't care about. You know, I, I feel so bad for teenagers especially. Because, you know, I'm 73 years old. One of the benefits of getting to be older is you just really don't care too much anymore. You, you just learn that, you know, you're going to like me, you're not going to like me, go for it, whatever you want. But teenagers, bless their little pointed hearts, they just care too much. They're constantly on social media. What is being said about me? And, of course, when somebody says negative stuff about you, it hurts, and it still hurts me periodically. And when I hear some negative stuff, but it doesn't change me at all. And you get to the point that you really don't care. And that's what you have to learn. Now, Lord, teach me to care and not to care. And then the last line, teach me to sit still. You know why you have to sit still? Because you have to ask God to teach you what matters, and what doesn't matter. That's what God has to teach you, how to care 
and not to care. Because sometimes caring for the wrong things is just as sinful as not caring for the right things. And you have to learn. The Holy Spirit has to teach you how to do that. I'm going to close my homily. It's actually going to be a somewhat of a short one today. I'm going to close my homily with the one passage that I have in the New Testament memorized where it is, where it is. Because, you know, we priests, we're not like Baptist preachers, you know, that when you learn a little line from the scriptures, you also memorize the chapter and verse. We know the scriptures. We just, we're not taught. To, we're taught to just go look it up. The only verse that I know, chapter and verse, is this one. It's the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 44. John, chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and scribes. And related to this gospel, you know, they go to banquets and they seek the places of honor. Because it was really important in those days. Today, let me just take a little digression. Today, uh, and this is especially true of Catholics, it's really not important um, to be recognized socially by your position in church. I mean, you know, look at all these empty pews in the front, okay? All the, all, a true Catholic always sits in the back, okay? And, and that, and that's not because you're trying to be humble. It's because you don't want Father to talk to you or to, to, to notice you. You want to hide. It's okay. I'm nearsighted. I can barely, barely see any of you. So, here, here's the, the, the verse. John chapter 5, verse 44, to the Pharisees. Jesus says, How can you believe when you seek the glory that comes from man and not the glory that comes from the one true God? Now, at first, you might go, oh, Father, that's nice, but why is that one of the most influential texts of the Bible for you? And it's not quite apparent until you translate the, and, and look up the etymology in Hebrew of the word that is translated as glory. How can you believe when you seek the glory that comes from man and not the glory that comes from the one true God. The word glory in Latin is doxa, but that's not what we're after. We're after the Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the word glory is kavod. I don't expect you to pronounce it, but kavod. Now, I have a very good friend of mine who's a rabbi. And kavod in Hebrew actually means weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. 
weight or substance. How can you believe when you seek the weight that comes from man and not the weight that comes from God? Now, at first, you're going, what? That doesn't make any sense. Think about it this way. Whose opinion holds weight in your life? Whose opinion holds the most weight in your life about who you are? And if that is anyone from, be it God or your husband, your wife, your spouse, your anybody but God, it is to that person that you are giving glory. Because that person has the most weight in terms of you influencing you. Now, when I heard that for the first time, I heard it in conjunction with a fantasy. Um, because a friend of mine told me the little verse which I translated into a fantasy. The little verse says, you have to live your life for an audience of one. Think about that. And the one is capitalized. You have to live your life for an audience of one. Now, the fantasy in my life, and I've shared it every once in a while, is like this. I, I'm, I, in my fantasy, I make believe that, that I am a one-man play. And I am sitting or standing in the stage like I am now. And the stage and the, the, the theater is full of people. Now, the people over here, you guys hate me, okay? And you guys are going, boo, Father Mario, you're the most disgusting priest you have ever experienced, boo! And you're throwing tomatoes and stuff like that at me. Then you guys in the right, notice a lot fewer people, but you, you guys in the right, you guys think I'm the most wonderful priest in the world, oh, Father Mario, you're the best thing since sliced bread for the priesthood. You're wonderful. And you guys in the center, you're asleep. You couldn't care less. You don't have enough energy to hate me or enough energy to like me. You're just asleep. Now, how should the division influence me? Should I try to make these people over here like me? Should I play to them so that they'll like me? Or should I just eh, forget about them? How about I just make sure that these people over here keep on liking me so I won't do anything that they don't like? Or should I try to wake you guys up? Should I try? What should I do? Who should I play for? And in my fantasy, in the way in the back by the exit sign, almost hidden by the, the, the darkness of the theater, there's a little old man. And that little old man is standing against the wall. 
And that little old man is God. And I came to the conclusion that that's the one I need to impress. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to be liked. But it does not going to change me anything I do. I'll evaluate opinions and I'll evaluate as best I can. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to look at that little old man in the back in the narthex. And I'm going to say, how's he reacting? Because he is my audience of one. He's God. And that's how you have to live your life. That is when you stop caring and not caring. Or when you care and not care. Because you have the, the work, the thing that, the person that is worthwhile in its correct order. Please remember, I care what you think of me, but really not that much. Okay? I, I, I do the best I can, and I take advice, but I don't care all that much when I compare it to the little old man in the back, to God. And that's the way it's got to be. Lord, teach me to care and not to care. But I've got to sit in still enough so that God can teach me what matters and what doesn't matter. Otherwise, you're going to spend all day croaking, croaking like a frog, trying to have your name be recognized so that you can seek the glory so the next time when we celebrate Mass and we sing glory to God in the highest, just remember what you're saying is He holds the most weight in my life. He does. Or when you say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, that's what you're saying. He holds the most weight in my life. Praise God.